It's Friday, November 15th. From the Ryersonian, I'm Charlie Buckley. You're listening to Blue and Gold. On Saturday, longtime Sportsnet commentator Don Cherry drew fire for a rant against the perceived unwillingness among new Canadians to wear poppies on Remembrance Day. On Monday, Sportsnet released a statement confirming they were cutting ties with Cherry. In interviews throughout the week, Cherry has said he stands by his words on Saturday night's broadcast. This week, we sit down with Ryersonian sports reporter Musa Imran to catch up on the week's developments. Later in the show, we discuss what the statements and public response mean for newcomers both in hockey and in Canada as a whole. Musa, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, just to get started, can you take us back to Saturday night? What exactly was said during the Coach's Corner segment? You people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. So Saturday night during um, the Coach's Corner segment, John Terry was quoted as saying, these guys paid, paid for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the biggest price. It kind of goes without saying the implication of that, but can you kind of summarize what Cherry is trying to get across? To me... I will say it sounded as if he was making a statement about immigrants showing a lack of appreciation or respect for veterans, for armed forces members and people who fight. He had a follow-up interview with Roz and Mocha, famous Toronto radio host. And in that interview, he said, oh, I could have been talking about anybody. I could have been talking about the English, the Scots or the British, to which I would say, Mr. Cherry, those are still immigrants regardless of the color of their skin. And then he later had a follow-up sit-down video interview with the Toronto Sun in which he said, oh, I never said immigrants, I just said you people. I could have used better words. People have misunderstood what I've said. But the kind of direction that a lot of media outlets and a lot of people online are taking with this is that it certainly sounds like he's going to something of a racial place. He does also mention, if you if you look at his hometown, Mississauga, or Toronto, no one's wearing a poppy. Mississauga and Toronto do have large immigrant populations. We believe this to be true because if you are walking down the streets of Mississauga and Toronto, you take a look around, there's a lot of people who may not look like white Canadians, so to speak. It appears very racially direct, whether he denies it or not. So Don Cherry is certainly a very well-known figure for Mm -hmm. these kinds of controversial statements in the past. Mm -hmm. Can you take us through a couple of those statements and kind of set the scene for us? Don Cherry has consistently shown a sort of lack of empathy towards players of Indigenous descent in a a sort of discussion that he was having with his longtime co-host Ron McLean. They were talking about Chris Simon, who was an Indigenous player, receiving a 30-game suspension, and to which McLean posed the question, why wouldn't some kids feel like they haven't gotten a fair shake in life? To which Don replied, Fair shake in life, go out and get your own fair shake in oh, life and work Don, for it. Don't give me that stuff. Don't give me, it was like Ted Nolan. When Ted Nolan didn't get the job, it was racism. It was racist. It wasn't racism. He, him and Muckler did, got at it and then that's why he didn't get hired. It, it sounds like just a denial about the idea of white privilege, as if that doesn't exist, as if it's not a real thing. And, and when you when you live in a country like Canada, which has a very dark history with the indigenous community, it is, you know, it's, it's something that's swept under the rug. He, he lacks what appears to be empathy or a sort of willingness to accept that there may be a, a racial bias 
towards players of a certain descent. When it comes to women, Don Cherry has said that women are yapping away at hockey games rather than paying attention to the actual game. He likes to call people left-wing pinkos, specifically newspapers. He's referred to David Suzuki as a left-wing kook, and he calls former players pukes and turncoats. You know, he's had a long history of not using very nice ways to describe people. Joe Warmington is, is a columnist for the Toronto Sun who appeared to have exclusives with Cherry shortly after the story broke. And in one of his follow-up articles, he mentioned Amar Khan, who is a CBC Manitoba journalist. And, you know, Amar Khan had tweeted, the tweet is not deleted, but basically he had said that Don Cherry has had his xenophobic views be on display for a long time and that he should have been cancelled a long time ago. Amar was then kind enough, if you follow him on Twitter, to share several emails that he got from people who had very unflattering things to say to him about his race, about him not being Canadian, you know, making threats, both physical, like physical and sexual in nature. And I think that it kind of shows that Don Cherry's views, regardless of what they were, are sort of indicative of a bigger problem that here in Canada, people often like to sweep racism under the rug as if it doesn't exist. In my experience as a Canadian, I have experienced racism firsthand. Obviously, my experience isn't comparable to that of Amar's, but it's it's just, it it's the honest truth, is that not everybody has it easier straightforward. So I want to continue the thread of, of social media. This is a story that had got a lot of play on, on Twitter and on Facebook and, and a lot of people sharing their thoughts about Don Cherry's remarks and also about kind of the structural things that happened immediately following that. What have you seen? Are there any other particular standouts? There, there are no real particular standouts. There is, There were two basic schools of thought, as there are with most things. One would be a lot of people calling for the cancellation, cancel Don Cherry, fire Don Cherry. That was the sort of immediate reaction from Twitter. And then there was a follow-up school of thought once he had been fired that said that, you know, this was a travesty towards free speech and free thought. Mayor John Tory and the mayor of Mississauga both spoke out and they were like, you know, Don Cherry's comments were not reflective of, of, of the city and the people of the city. And um, the mayor of Mississauga said that we all are Canadians and we wear our poppies proudly. John Tory did have one interesting tweet where he, he offered, you know, Don Cherry to come out to Old City Hall for the Remembrance Day ceremony. And he said that, you know, come look at the crowd and you'll see that not everybody who's there is Canadian as you may think of them to be. And what about Ron McLean? There's been a lot of discussion about him as well. He released his own statement after the controversy started to swell. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that? The facts with the Ron McLean situation is that on the job, McLean just kind of sat silently, and then once Cherry had finished his his rant, he he gave him a thumbs up. He later, you know, in both on air and on Twitter, he, he apologized and he said, "I want to sincerely apologize, to Canadians." During last night's broadcast, Don made comments that were hurtful and prejudiced, um, and I wish I'd handled myself differently. I don't think that in the moment you know it, it falls on Ron because if anybody knows who John Cherry is and if you're Canadian you probably do he's very unpredictable and I would think that it's at a certain point Ron has probably become a little desensitized and so he just kind of sees it as Cherry's just bantering and so as much as I kind of respect Plain saying that you know he, he wishes he would have acted differently I think people may have put too much onus on McLean to to do something about it he did say on Twitter, you know, I've worked with Don for 30 years, and we both love hockey, but last night, uh, I know I failed you. I see hockey as part of what unites us. Um, I have the honor of traveling across the country to celebrate Canada's game, and our diversity is one of the country's greatest strengths. And so this was all over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And then on Monday, Sportsnet announces they're firing Cherry. They're cutting ties or taking him off of Coach's Corner. After, you know, decades in the role, they're, they're, they're moving on from Don Cherry. Can you walk us through the statement they gave? Yes, I can. 
Sports brings people together. It unites us, not divides us. Following further discussions with John Cherry after Saturday night's broadcast, it has been decided it is the right time for him to immediately step down. During the broadcast, he made divisive remarks that do not represent our values or what we stand for. Don is synonymous with hockey and has played an integral role in growing the game over the past 40 years. We would like to thank Don for his contributions to hockey uh, and sports broadcasting in Canada. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like a company that just is looking to save a brand image. I don't have many gripes with Sportsnet in terms of that. You know, they have to do what they have to do to protect their image. It, it does sort of touch back on the on the argument of free speech is, oh, you know, should he have been fired for expressing how he feels? And, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, that's not necessarily how free speech works. But I think people forget that when you sign a contract with a certain company and you promise to uphold their values, you sort of give up that liberty to express who you are because at that point you're not just yourself. You are an extension of, of the company. And so I think Sportsnet handled the situation the best way they could, and I don't really have any gripes to Sportsnet. So, Musa, this is certainly a story with a lot of angles and aspects to it. I think chief among them, sports culture and Canadian identity and immigrant experiences. And you're someone who's lived all of those things. How do you feel about this week's kind of saga? I like your choice of words there. Um, personally, I think that it's, 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 it's unfortunate and it's sad, but it is nothing new. When the incident happened, Don Cherry is is somebody who has a history of controversial things to say, and and you know, mayors and whoever and, and companies will come out and, and condemn him, which is great. And and the one thing that I think a lot of people like to say is, oh, there's no place for racism in Canada. Racism doesn't need a time or a place; it's an inevitability, regardless of where you are. And just personally speaking, from my own experience with racism, when I'm presented with someone who is immediately vilified. My usual thought process is how can I attempt to feel some sort of empathy for this individual? What I like to do is I like to play this game where I try and think of something me and this person have in common. And in the broadcast, you know, Don Cherry says, if you look at my hometown, Mississauga, very few people are wearing a poppy. And if you look at downtown Toronto, forget about it. Nobody's wearing a poppy. Don Cherry and I consider the same place our hometown. I wonder if that's something he realizes, you know? And I wonder if that's something that he would care about, that, you know, Yes, I was born in Pakistan. I'm a Pakistani citizen. I'm very proud Pakistani, but I was raised in Canada. I'm very proud Canadian. I have my Canadian passport. Earlier today, I just I just actually finished reporting on um, a citizenship ceremony where 52 people from 22 countries around the world just became Canadian citizens. It, to me, it's a reminder that, you know, racism is a constant, regardless of where you are. And secondly, you know, I would hope that it serves as a reminder to other people that Canada is or is becoming a country that doesn't have a specific look to it. And I understand that for some people that's great, um, and for others it's, it's, it's not so much. But, you know, that's just the current state of what we look like as a country. I want to go back to what you said a bit earlier, that this was nothing new. Mm -hmm. And I, I take that to mean, as we've already discussed, Don Cherry is not new to controversy mm -hmm. about identity in sport and, mm -hmm. and kind of saying unkind things about certain groups of people. So what the question I want to put to you is, why then is this happening now? Why is Don Cherry being fired on November 11th, 2019, and not any of the other times where he's drawn controversy before? What's different this time? I would say that 
it's happening now because our consumption of media as we know it now is definitely a lot more aware of different perspectives. And I would think that Sportsnet is more so than probably in the, in, in, the, in the past decade, decade and a half, maybe two decades, they are aware that something like this rubs a, a, a lot of people the wrong way. And there's more than just one kind of person that watches Sportsnet. It's happening now because now more so than ever, he's put a face or a name to, to the group of people that he had less than flattering things to say about. Because anytime you say you people, you're targeting somebody. More so than when you say, oh, these European guys, they celebrate like soccer players. Or so what if the indigenous kid has it tough? Everybody has it tough, you know? That's not very open-ended. With something like you people, you are now opening the floor to people who come from every part of the world. People who look like me, people who look like you, and people who look like Don Cherry. And they may not speak the same language, they may not have the same culture, they may not have the same religion. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's, the, it's the volume of which the crowd that he, that he had something to say about that, that probably scared Sportsnet the most. Where do you think the responsibility lies in a case like this? Is it just Cherry who's responsible for these words being put out? It was a live segment. Is it with McLean, as we were talking about before, to not jump in and challenge that idea? Is it Sportsnet for employing Don Cherry for so long and not taking steps earlier on? I am of the opinion that it falls on Cherry. We as Canadians don't necessarily have the same liberties when it comes to the freedom of speech as, say, the United States do. And so it falls on Cherry to maybe not necessarily censor himself, but to remember that he is part of a brand. And he has been part of this brand for 40 years. That brand has let him go on tirade after tirade about different groups of people. And so they, sure, they are partially responsible for that, but... I think that there's both something to respect and something to disagree with with a brand that's willing to continue to work with or work with someone like Cherry for as long as they have. They respect the fact that not only is he an icon when it comes to just hockey broadcasting, but he is a rather you know off-the-rails type of individual. He just has a lot of wild things to say, whether they agree with it or not. But they're still willing to give him that platform. As a journalist, as someone who aspires to express myself on a, on a grand scale... I respect that. I've always appreciated the ability to express how I feel without legal repercussion. But at the same time, if Sportsnet is continuing to work with someone who has a history of, of, of doing these things and, 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 and saying things that are less than, less than, you know, flattering, I think a little bit of fall, responsibility falls on them. But ultimately, it is Cherry who said what he had to say. But I would, I would also say that as much as his words were decisive, divisive, sorry, you can't necessarily control how other people react to what you have to say. I would be happy to stand, and I, and I do to some form stand for the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression. I would say that some people often relinquish the idea that um, there's a bit of a personal responsibility that comes with that. And as much as I think that there shouldn't be legal repercussions for saying certain things, I think that people often forget that when you violate somebody with your opinion, those aren't my words, those are word of, words of a professor that I had a couple years ago, but when you violate somebody with your opinion, they have the right to be violated and to then express that feeling of violation. Um, and I think that that's part of the argument that people often forget. I want to take us back to, say, Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. after the segment, mm -hmm. before Sportsnet puts out their statement. Did you for a second think 
that they were going to keep Cherry on? Did you assume they were going to fire him? Was Monday's announcement a surprise to you at all? Absolutely. I was I was genuinely surprised when I found out that uh, he'd been fired because I figured, oh, it's Don Cherry. Like, he, you know, he's just like that. I was surprised at Sportnet deciding to not keep him. But I, like I said earlier, I think that now that Sportsnet is aware that their audience is, is, is a lot bigger and a lot different than it used to be. And I think that, you know, we we live in, an, in, in, in a time now where people are a lot more sensitive to different opinions and different outlooks on things. I think that it makes sense. I think that what Sportsnet did is what any company would have done. What does this week say to you? about Canada's relationship to newcomers and, and, and to hockey culture's relationship to newcomers. Whoever tweeted this, please forgive me for not saving your tweet, but someone said that any person of color that plays hockey has a racism story. And that, that to me, speaks volumes about hockey as a, as, a, as, a, as a sport and as a culture. A couple weeks ago, I had, maybe about a month ago, I had the honor of covering Ryerson's first homecoming, and I just noticed that they were about out of all the athletes on the floor between two teams, they were, if I counted correctly, just based off the eye test, about four guys that were non-white, non-white looking. You know, maybe I'm wrong. But Canada's, relation, Canada's relationship with these newcomers is, 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 is I would say, great. I, like I said, I just got back from um, a citizenship ceremony. And I think the, the one thing this country does well is, is welcome newcomers. You know, you kind of show up at the door and you go, hey, let me in. And they go, okay. And then you're good to go. So it's not necessarily its relationship with its newcomers, but its relationship with its, with its you know, I, I'm throwing up air quotes here, citizens, that, um, that sometimes is, is, is questionable. The country is known to have an unfortunate history with its indigenous communities. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, and I'm sure so can other, other you know, Canadians of color, that uh, racism is still a thing that we face. I, 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 my parents, my parents actually, who recently moved to a suburb outside of Niagara Falls, there are a handful of, of, of families there that aren't white. And, and so they, I noticed that they've adopted a lot of like very culturally Canadian things to not be, to not stick out, you know. Um, most recently, it was, it was Christmas lights. We've never, we're not, we're not a celebra- family that celebrates Christmas and, you know, more power to everybody that does, but my parents recently put up Christmas lights because all the neighbors had Christmas lights and, you know, I think that it for them it is, it's always a bit of a, a fear factor in, in sticking out um, in a place where you don't have anybody that looks like you around. Um, and so it's just been a reminder that, you know, this isn't new. This isn't new in terms of who Don Cherry is as a person. I wouldn't be surprised if John Cherry has a job in the next year and a half, two years, somewhere else. And hockey as as a sport is is just recently actually becoming accessible to people of middle class or, or, or lower class situations financial situations and before then it's been a typically you know higher class or upper middle class sport just given the cost of the sport and what it takes to to, to put a kid through travel hockey and again i can't speak for everybody but a lot of immigrants don't start off in the upper classes you know, a lot of immigrants. It takes them a long time. It takes them generations to make generational wealth and move their way up the uh, the financial scale. And if you put two and two together, there's, a, there's you know, there's a reason a lot of immigrant kids don't really play hockey. And I don't think that that is limited to just finances. I think that the culture around a sport like hockey definitely plays a part in that too. And I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Do you have any closing thoughts? Anything else? Yes, actually, I saved this. There's a, a stand-up comedian by the name of Marlon Palmer, and he tweeted, "Why people gonna stick up?" 
for xenophobic under the guise of it being in support of the troops, the North remembers. And then he replied to his own tweet with a follow-up tweet that said, where have we seen this story before? And a picture of Colin Kaepernick. And I think that that is a parallel that might deserve a little bit of attention. You know, if the poppy at the end of the day is what Don's concern was. And I would say that the poppy is, it's a symbol, you know. It is a symbol of, of, of solidarity and respect and remembrance of those fearless individuals who gave life and liberty for us to live in this country together. And I would say to Mr. Cherry that I don't necessarily think the wearing or not wearing of a poppy is necessarily reflective of how much we as Canadians of all backgrounds appreciate our veterans, appreciate our, our, those who currently serve, and appreciate who those who have sacrificed you know, in recent history and in, 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 the, in the Great World Wars and in, in the wars that founded this country. Because if that was the case, then I would say that why don't we all have poppies tattooed? Because, you know, their sacrifice was eternal, such as our appreciation should be eternal. And I would also like to mention that Don Cherry mentions that it's, it's, it's in his hometown of Mississauga and these places of Toronto that are known to be very diverse, um, where very few people are wearing poppies. He says the Canadians of small towns are definitely wearing poppies. And there's a bit of dog whistling going on there with, with, with what, he, what he's trying to say about what kind of person wears a poppy. Um, and I would, I would just like to stay, say that Canada has a history of having soldiers who have died for this country that are non-white. And so that would be my final thoughts, is that it's not so much the symbol of, of, of a poppy as much as it is the, the act of remembrance about taking that 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month to stop and pause. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's Blue and Gold. I'm Charlie Buckley. Here's what else we're following this week. On Ryerson campus, University President Mohamed Lashami will hold a series of town halls this month to discuss the university's future. Planned for November 19th and 29th, the events will detail the school's academic, internationalization, and research plans and will offer students the chance to add their input on the directions they'd like Ryerson's administration to take. The town halls will be held on campus, and all Ryerson students, staff, and faculty are welcome to attend. Elsewhere in Toronto Centre, the cenotaph outside Old City Hall was vandalized on Monday night, marked with a spray-painted message reading, Ye Broke Faith. The graffiti appears to be quoting legendary Remembrance Day poem In Flanders Fields, written by Canadian First World War doctor John McRae. The Cenotaph, Toronto's site for the traditional Remembrance Day wreath-laying, was constructed in 1925 to commemorate Torontonians who gave their lives in service. And finally, the Prime Minister's office has announced that Parliament will reconvene on December 5th for the naming of the Speaker, as well as a throne speech from Governor-General Julie Payette. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the beginning of Parliament's December session will immediately follow a meeting of NATO members in London. That's all this week for Blue and Gold. Join us next week for more of your community's top stories. Blue and Gold is a production of the Ryersonian and the Ryerson School of Journalism. Our host is Karen Sandoval-Santana, executive producing by me, additional reporting by Musa Imran, Juliana Perkins, and Samantha Moya. Our editor-in-chief is Maria Seru, managing editor Juliana Perkins, instructors Peter Baco-George and H.G. Watson. Graphics by Aria DeLima and Sophie Diego. 
Special thanks to Angela Glover, Lindsay Hanna, Daniela Oleru, and Gary Gould. Music this week provided by WeStar. My name is Charlie Buckley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>